Take out your Bibles if you have them with you today and open them up to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And as you're doing that, I want to bring something up, and I'm not going to make it a habit of doing this. This is just too good to pass up. Last week we had communion, and if you remember, well, you probably don't, at the beginning of that, I made mention that the cups were stacked one on top of the other, okay? That's so that we don't have to do two different trips to pass out the elements. Well, I appreciate whoever sent me this card, but I've, and I don't mean to laugh. I mean, I know it was a big deal. But I have been laughing all week long. They didn't sign it. I just wanted you to know. The question was asked, why did we not take the whole communion? With a question mark. No bread. In caps. Feel shorted. (laughs) Man, I hope you're here today. Because I want you to know, we did not short you last week there was two cups and if you take them both and you take them apart you got two i literally was going to have a whole loaf of bread up here saying hey you deserve it take it and go home and have a have a good lunch with it but if you ever have questions you let us know if you want sign your name we'll get back to you if we have more questions about your question but always feel free to to let us know what's going on. I just got a big kick out of that because, you know, I would have felt shorted too if we only went halfway. Well, we didn't go halfway. We went the whole way. I'm sorry that it didn't work out, but you'll get it next time, I'm sure. All right. Warren Wiersbe once said, um, it does very little good if believers today declare and defend the truth but they fail to demonstrate it in their lives. Amen? We know that's true. Um, Last week's message was on the practice of the gospel. And in that message, I made a reference to the fact that uh, that, uh, behavior should follow belief. Doctrine, Doctrine should be followed by deeds. Literally, literally, We should act out on what we profess to believe. It should be seen in our lives. To just, you know, give lip service to what we believe doesn't show evidence of a changed, transformed life within us. If your life does not model the life of a transformed believer uh, that we see in God's Word, there is a pretty strong chance that your salvation may just be intellectual and not transformational. The Apostle Paul would go further, especially when we look at this passage today, and he would define it this way. He would say that our earthly practice here on earth should follow our heavenly position. In Paul's day, the church that was in Colossae, well, That church was surrounded by pagan influences, idolatry, and cult practices. Bowing before an idol and giving your tithe, uh, putting in your tithe before leaving, without changing a single thing about you and how you lived your life and what you said and what you did and why, it didn't matter. 
That was the norm. That was the way they did things. It didn't matter how you lived your life uh, or who you lived it for. The matter of sin, it didn't make any difference. Uh, Did you hear about the pastor who uh, had preached a series of sermons against the sins of the saints? One day, a member of his congregation challenged him and said that it would be better, quote, if he preached those messages to the lost people. After all, said the church man, sin in the life of a Christian is different from sins in the lives of lost people. Yes, the pastor said, I agree. They're worse. And I would say to that, amen. Amen. They are worse. Uh, Today we're going to discover why they are worse. Uh, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And in that passage that's in your Bible, Colossians chapter 3, you may have a subtitle. Most Bibles will have that. And it basically will define out what it is you are about to look at. Um, I know in my Bible it says put on the new self. So we're going to take a look at what that means. Colossians chapter 3, Paul said this. He said, if then, and that word if is another word that can be substituted out for the word since. They're both uh, intertwined all the time when you see it in the New Testament. If then, since then, you have been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, which is gossip, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, Christ is all and in all." If we were to follow up the message today with another message on the five verses that follows this passage, we could title that message, All Dressed Up and Someplace to Go. Because while Paul is talking to the church, the church members, and remember, this is a young church of believers that's in this passage. That's the audience that Paul's talking to. He's literally laying out, Y'all, this is the way we are supposed to do things now. There is a higher standard of living and conduct, the way that we act, the way we react, the way we talk, the way we think. Every single thing about our lives 
is different than the way it used to be. The Holy Spirit is telling us through what Paul wrote here that our lives after becoming a Christian should be radically different from the way in which you were living your life before you found Christ. And it is so different. The picture should be so different that it should resemble your death as if you literally died. Because the person that now is the new you is so different from the way you used to be. And that's what Paul is saying here. It is as if you have been invaded. And the truth of the matter is, you have been invaded. The Bible says that when a person goes to Christ and accepts Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes into that person and resides in that person and lives in that person controls the tries to control that's where the battle takes place though isn't it letting god have his way versus us letting god have his way in us paul says you died to yourself and now you live for him as we always say in baptism i always say in baptism buried in the likeness of christ raised to walk and newness of life. That is literally what Paul is saying here in this passage. Now, Paul uses that term in Christ and that term with Christ in his New Testament epistles 75 times. Now, if we believe, which we do, that the Bible is the inspired word of God, all of it, because it is, then we have to recognize that this strong usage of being in Christ or being with Christ is put there by God. God is trying to say something to us. God is trying to reinforce within us your position, your position in life. And of those 75 times that we see that term with Christ or in Christ, we see five of those in just these first four verses here in Colossians chapter 3. I want you to take a look at those with me. What does it mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, in the first verse, in uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, it says, If you have been raised up with Christ, see, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. The Bible says that we were raised with Christ. You were raised with, with Christ. I was raised with Christ. Where is Christ right now? The Bible says he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Does that mean he is sitting down on a throne just looking out? No. That term, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, designates a position of rank. He is sitting co-equal with the role of his Father. They are the same. They're one and the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is seated right now at the Father's right hand. Um, we may be in Christ, as Paul doesn't forget uh, to remind us, but Paul also reminds us that while we are in Christ, we're also here at 13201 Rendon Road, aren't we? 
We are literally at two places at one time. Now, we can't connect to that. I mean, who can? Um, It's hard to understand. While Paul may have his head in the clouds, his feet are very much on the ground. And Paul is simply reminding us, we, we are in him. We're in him. Your sins were forgiven the moment you went to Christ and you surrendered your life to him, following him as Lord and Savior. And you, because of that, the Bible says you have been raised up in Christ. As crazy as it sounds, you have two addresses. The one is where you live at now, and the second one is the one that you get to find out where it is when Christ comes back for you one day. And I heard that that address looks pretty nice. You have been raised with Christ. You should remember that. Point number two, what does it mean to be in Christ? The Bible says that we died in Christ. Look at verse, the first part of verse 3. It says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The fullest explanation of this can be found in Romans chapter 6, verse 8. I'll just read it for you. Paul said this, Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. With him. Christ not only died for us, that is called the substitution role of what he did. He substituted his life for you when he died. When he died for you, he literally said, he said, Alex, I'm going to take your life and I'm going to trade it out. You can have mine. He substitutes his life in place. Ed, when I died for you, that means I'm going to exchange my life for yours. And so now when the Father looks at us, we are clean. We're righteous. We are without blemish. Well, we're not on our own initiative, but because of what Jesus did, the work that Jesus did on the cross, we're we're clean. We're innocent. Why? Because we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. That's the substitution uh, view of what he did. But the Bible says that we died with him. That's called the identification. I identify with what Jesus did for me on the cross. Therefore, his substitution work for me, the, him giving of his own life for me, changing my life out for his, took place. That's what happened to you the moment when you found Christ. You were raised up in him. The Bible says you died to him. Uh, You died to yourself, your sins. He died not only for sin, bearing its penalty, but he also died unto sin, thereby breaking its power. Romans 6, 2 says it plainly. How shall we, this is us, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? That was a question that just racked his brain. I'll tell you why. Because the Bible said 
you died with him. Turn to the person next to you on that thought and say, Good morning. Welcome to Red Baptist Church. You look dead to me. <laughs> or all day long, just use the term, you are dead meat. Just say it all day long. Because that's exactly what Paul is saying. We died. We died with him. Uh, the third point. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, the latter part of verse 3 says that we were hidden we are hidden in Christ. To be hidden means we no longer belong to this world. We're, we're here. We're in it. But we're not of it. This is where we're pitching our tent. And this is where we live our life. But this is not our final destination. To be hidden means we are no longer apart. Why? We belong to him. And Jesus is not of this world. He is of another place. And we are going with him. We are going with him. You know, you see this up on the screen. Dr. A.T. Robertson, he commented on this thought and he said this. So here we are in Christ who is God. And no burglar, not even Satan himself can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you are hidden in Him. You are camouflaged. You are hidden. That is because, as believers, this life is hidden as far as the world is concerned because the world does not know Christ. The world crucified Christ. The world does not believe in him, does not receive him, does not follow him. The world has nothing to do with Jesus. Why? He's virtually, he's hidden. He's just a name, just another person, just another prophet, another teacher. That's it. That's it. And when he died, he died. That's how they see it. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to those who are being saved is the power of God. It's hidden. And you're hidden too. What does it mean to be in Christ? The fourth point? Well, the Bible says that we live in Christ. Look at the first part of verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed. He is our life. You know, eternal life is not some heavenly substance that God imparts to us when we, as sinners, trust in Jesus as our Savior. Eternal life, you want to know what it is? It's Jesus. I've said this a number of times in funerals because I believe it's so strongly because of what the Bible says. You know what heaven is? Heaven is a person before it ever becomes a place. Now think about that. Heaven is a person before it is a place. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says this, He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
Someone once made the statement, life is what you are alive to. Pretty short, pretty simple, pretty profound. Life is what you are alive to. On that note, let me ask you, what are you alive to today? What are you alive to today? If life is what you are alive to, what are you alive to? A child, a small child, will come alive the minute you say, puppy. A teenager will come to life the minute you say, iPhone 11, Pro Max. But all of us, all of us, the Bible says, we are to be alive to Jesus. Are you alive to Jesus today? If you know Him as Lord and Savior, are you following Him as Lord today? That means surrendering all the areas of your life. What are you alive to? Well, Paul says we are alive to Christ. We are dead and we are alive at the same time. Dead to sin but alive to Jesus. And then the fifth way that we see what it means to be in Christ, we're not only raised with Christ, we not only died with Him, we're not only hidden in Him, we're not only alive, we not only live in Him, but the Bible says that we will be glorified in Him. And that's the latter part of verse 4. The Bible says, Now when Jesus, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Christ is seated at the Father's right hand, but one day the Bible says he's coming back and he's going to grab you, he's going to get you, and he's going to take you home with him. Praise God for that. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18 talks about that. And when this happens... We will enter into our eternal glory with Him. For those reasons, that's why the Bible says you've been glorified with Him already. It just hasn't taken place yet. But the act or the work that made it so has already happened. It's already happened. The full revelation, the full revelation of that glory is going to come when he comes back. Now, while all of these truths may sound mystical in nature, the truth is they're not uh, mythical. They are real, concrete, valid facts. They are as factual as your own physical birth. These things have taken place. The only difference is the things that we have discussed, these are physical facts. What Paul is talking about here is the spiritual aspect of these facts. But they are nonetheless just as real. We easily forget that we are in Christ, therefore enthroned with Him on high, and we are joint heirs with Him. It is so easy and no one in this room would testify differently 
It is so easy to get caught up in the problems of this life and the business of this life and the distractions of this life that we forget the limitless resources that we have in Jesus. We just looked at the five different ways that we are in Him. But it's so easy to forget that. You may be here today and you knew these things, but maybe you forgot. You may be here today and you had no clue, and this sounds awesome. We need to remember. We, because we forget these things, this is what we do. This is the church. This is every church. Because we forget these things, we act like the world we talk like the world. We have the same goals as the world. And we lose sight that we have a heavenly Father who promises to work all things together for good. And we, we just, you've got to know how many times we break his heart because we are in Christ. And yet so many times our conduct does not reflect that anything has ever taken place how do you think it makes him feel i don't think it makes him angry i think it breaks his heart now the sin is what will bring about god's wrath but what breaks his heart is when a child of his that's someone who knows him is not living the way they should be living what Paul does, Paul goes from the positive that we've just seen, and he slides over to the negative. Look at verses 5 through 6. Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. Will come. It is one thing to know theologically that we are dead to sin and alive to God, but how does something like that translate itself in our lives? Paul translates this truth for us by bringing before us two different pictures. And this is what I want you to see. Two pictures, two persons of interest. He talks about the old man that is within every single one of us this old man is who we are by natural birth adam passed on that nature that fallen nature onto us that second person of interest that second person i want us to look at this is the one i want us to focus on this is what paul refers to as the new man this is the person that we are in christ why because it is christ who is our life the bible makes it clear that when we are born again the lord gives us a new nature his own sinless nature by the regenerating work that is performed by the holy spirit now we know that now the old nature will remain however and you know what god doesn't convert and he doesn't condemn or excuse me condone the old man the bible says god crucifies it because that's what he did with jesus 
Because when Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't die in his sins. He didn't have any. He died with yours. And he died with mine. And because he died with mine, he crucified. He put it to death. Romans 6, 6 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. But still it remains, and it remains all the way to the innermost core of our being. And the only way the Bible says that we can reckon this old man is to put him to death. Paul says, reckon this as dead. And your Bibles, uh, a lot of the translations, Paul uses, oh, you'll see the word mortify. Mortify these areas. They're dead. They're dead. So do away with them. As far as God is concerned, the old man is already dead, although we are all too sadly aware that the old man is still within us. It wages war with the new man, as the Bible says. It is here that Paul allows us to take a look at what this old man looks like. If you need a visual, and we're so strongly driven on by visuals, I am. Show me a book that has a lot of pictures, and I'll read it much quicker than a book without. So you know what Paul does? Maybe what you need, you need a visual. You want a visual of what this old man looks like? Here's what this old man looks like. And then he goes on to line out those things. He looks like fornication. He looks like lustful impurity. That's what it, it means when we read those words, uncleanness. That old man looks like evil desires, and he's full of covetedness. He's never satisfied with what he wants. He wants what someone else has. That old man is a picture of ruin and decay. And because of that, the wrath of God will come. And that's what Paul is saying right here in verse 6. But you have to love verse 7. If there is a, a verse you highlight in this passage, it's verse 7. What is verse 7? And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. How many of you can say, Amen, I'm glad I'm not walking the way I used to. Amen. Amen. I never really understood the power of my conversion until I went to my five-year reunion. And forgive me if I've said this. I've said it either here with the youth. I don't remember. I was saved two years after high school. And when I was saved, it was radical. I mean, everything about my life, it changed very, very quickly. And the one thing that the Lord could convicted me really hardcore on was the way I was living my life and, and drinking and, and, and just living life like everybody else. I knew that my testimony and my witness was ruined if I didn't change the things that I needed to change. And I knew that because I would justify to myself why I never needed Jesus when I'd go to all the parties because I could tell you all the people that were going to be at church 
the next morning. I can tell you. But I used to think the only difference between me and them, I'm not getting up on Sunday morning. I'm sleeping in. And they're going to go and be something that they're not. I used to think that all the time. I didn't talk about it. I just, within myself, I reasoned my justification why I don't need this Jesus thing. Well, when I became a Christian, that changed really, really fast for me. I didn't know a single story in the Bible, and I couldn't quote it right either. So all I did when I wasn't working, I wasn't studying, I'm reading. I am trying to understand what I never read in my life, and now I'm reading everything I can't even understand because it's flying right over. But I'm trying. And man, I was trying hard. It was tough. We had our five-year reunion. I had to work that night at the Golden Corral. And when I got off, I was about three hours late. Party already started. It's at the Tiki House. Uh, it's at the Budweiser plant because uh, one of the uh, people I graduated with, his father was a really big, big shot at that place. So the party was definitely going on when I got there. When I got there, I had to park forever away from where the reunion was at. You could hear the band and you could hear the, the noise and the people and there was just massive. I mean, it was party. It was party. So I'm walking I'm late, and when I got there, I won't forget, I walked in. This is just an enormous place, and I'm standing there literally just two feet in the door, and I'm just watching the craziness of, of a lifestyle that I used to have, but I don't have it anymore. And you know, I remember standing there and just standing there, taking it all in. I was sticker shocked by everything I was looking. And I had this thought the whole time in my mind. That used to be me. That used to be me. They're, they're no, I was them. And now I just, I don't have that desire anymore. And you know, I remember as I was standing there and I'm looking at all that. I looked over and I saw uh, a girl, Kim, in my class. And she was sitting at this table. And they were surrounded by what seemed to be hundreds of small little tables. Just, I mean, just hundreds, it, it looked like. And there was no one anywhere near around them. I walked up behind Kim, and I knew Kim was a Christian. Now, in high school, I used to call her religious. I didn't know there's a difference between being religious and having a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know. But I knew Kim's not religious. Kim has a relationship with Jesus. I walked over. I put my hands in front of her, her eyes. She couldn't see. And I whispered in her ear, I cannot believe you're not drinking. I took my hands off. She turned around, shocked, and she looked up. Ed, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I'm trying to guess, I'm, I'm trying to take in, what am I doing? What am I doing here? And I'm looking at so many of my friends, good friends. And they're just marching to a different beat. 
that I just don't want to anymore. I don't even have that desire. And I sat down, we started talking, and she said, oh, I heard you became a Christian. And I said, well, I hope that was a good thing. She goes, I've heard nothing but good. You've, you've, you're, you're living it. And I asked her, I said, Cam, you've been a Christian a lot longer than I have been. Describe what I'm feeling right now, because I'm just really confused. And she looked at me, and she said this word. She goes, it's called grace. It's called grace. You know, I wasn't even there. Another 10, 15 minutes is at the most, and I was gone. There was nothing for me there. There was nothing there. It was empty. And I remember it took me forever to get all the way back to my car. And you know what? I remember when I got in my car, uh, I had the windows down. I didn't leave. And I could just hear all the noise and all the partying and all the music. And I'm sitting there by myself and I'm thinking, I can't connect with this anymore. And I had this immediate thought. And I didn't know it at the time like I know it now, but it was the Lord. And he said, you used to walk this way, but now you belong to me. And I was so overwhelmed with, how did I get so lucky? And I hate using that word, but I just could not escape the thought, that was me. That should still be me had God not intervened in my life. While a believer may fall, he or she can never feel at home anymore when they live in a sinful, disobedient state with God. If they're comfortable with it, then they need to reevaluate that salvation experience that they profess to have. Never ever again can you find in the polluted environment of this world a native habitat anymore paul said you used to but not anymore you can no longer have your life in these things or places again why because you have been bought with a price and that price was big. It was the price of the blood of Jesus. You have been redeemed. Amen? Amen. So we need to stop the habits of the old man, and we need to learn to draw power from the new man. Now, after addressing these sensual sins, Paul now moves on to what we call the social sins. These social sins are found in verses 8 and 9. I'll just read the sins. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. These are what we call social sins. And it's sad, isn't it? Uh, look at the screen. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan called these the sins in good standing. You know why he calls these social sins the sins in good standing? Because we do it so many times that it doesn't impact us as sin anymore. It just doesn't happen. We lie. No big deal. We slander. No big deal. We gossip. That's preferred. 
We have anger. We have wrath. There's malice. There's abusive speech. And we, we are not affected by this stuff anymore. Why? Because we're yielding ourselves to the old man. That is why. Warren Wiersbe once said, and you'll see this in your bulletin and on the screen, it's that good. We were formed in God's image and we were deformed from God's image by sin. But through Christ, we can be transformed by the Spirit of God to share the glorious image of God. Amen? Amen. You know, at the beginning of this year, my vision for Red Baptist Church is seen, and I meant to say this, I forgot, if you have joined our church, and many of you have joined, we have a shirt just for you. I think Sarah's wearing a shirt right now. It's, it just says, we. You're like the shirt. The shirts are really cool. Of course, I like the shirts, but I'm really picky on shirts, too. Uh, five different colors, whatever you want. If you have joined our church, you get a shirt. That shirt testifies uh, who, what we're focusing on. It's the we factor. That we is an acrostic to three words. Worship, evangelism, and edification. Now, we didn't go we. That's the little pig out the window on Geico. We don't, not that, all right? It's we. It still works the same way. It's we. What are we going to focus on this year as Red Baptist Church, as individual members of Red Baptist Church? Let's focus on our worship. Worship is not only what we see up here, led by the praise team, which is awesome, by the way. It is by how we live our life day to day. That's your worship. Evangelism is just getting the gospel news out and whatever means you feel uh, at ease in doing so. And the other one is edification or encouragement. And I have to say that until everyone gets on board and focusing on these areas for yourself, quit worrying about so-and-so who's not there yet. You just keep focused on you. Until we do that, we will never be what this church is supposed to be. It will never happen. So let's be truthful about where we are, and let's commit every single person in this room, me especially today, to allow the new man only to live and take up residence in our lives in the way in which we live our lives outside of this church. This Put sin, all sin, to death because it's not an option for the believer. We must agree with Jesus about these sins, these social sins, because they are just as bad as fornication. They're just as bad as the lustful thoughts. They're just as bad. With God, he doesn't see it any different. There was a pastor who came to a new church. And after he had been there for a few months, he got to know two of the most influential men of that church who were brothers. And they were multi-millionaires who were not known to be very godly men. But he was determined to have an authentic ministry and preach the word. As time went on, one of the brothers died. The other brother, who was still alive, went to the pastor and he said, Now, pastor, 
I know that you are going to be doing the funeral in just a couple of days. And I also know that you want to build a brand new church. So I tell you what, I will put the money in the church's account to build a brand new church if you will say at my brother's funeral that he was a saint. All you got to do is say that he was a saint and you don't have to worry about the cost of that new church building. Well, the pastor felt himself in the thorns of this kind of a dilemma. On the one hand, he decided to be authentic. And on the other hand, he needed the cash for this new church. The question was how to build his new church with the money sitting right in front of him and being authentic because the guy was a crook. The pastor thought for a second, and then he said, you know what? I'll do it. So the businessman wrote out a check for hundreds of thousands of dollars, gave it to the pastor. The pastor deposited the money in the bank, and the time came for the funeral. And the pastor stood up to do the eulogy, and he said these words. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to eulogize a very ungodly sinner. He was a very wicked man who was unfaithful to his wife. He was hot-tempered, and he abused his children. He was ruthless in business. He was a complete and total hypocrite. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> Jesus is concerned with authenticity. And that means he wants it from you and me too, y'all. Authenticity will be found if we allow ourselves to be ruled by the new man. Verses 10 and 11 of that passage. You cannot continue to live like the rest of the world. Why not, you ask? Because as the title of today's message implies, because you're dead. That's why. That's why. And in order to win the lost, y'all, and in order to impact our community, they have to first see in us a reason to buy into what we are selling. Because until we live out and act out on what we profess to believe in, they're not going to want it. Because they already have that. In order for us to offer them the hope, peace, and joy that is only found in Jesus can only be done by putting on the new self. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you this morning. God, we want to thank you for today. And we want to thank you, God, that you have given us pictures to look at. This new man and this old man. So that we can compare those two and contrast those two. Because, God, you have called us, all of us, to just be one of those pictures. Because, Lord, we were raised with you. We died with you. We are hidden with you. We live in you. And the day's coming, Lord, when we're going to be able to literally physically see with those new eyes that we're going to have. We're going to be glorified with you. And until that time comes, God, we got a lot of friends and family, and they just don't have a clue of what's going on. 
And they don't know what it means to know Jesus. So, Father, I pray and ask that today, would you help us to focus on our conduct and on our words? And would you help us to be more proactive and trying to make a difference in the lives of those that we care about the most? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.